From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. You're with Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, ladies and gentlemen, all right, welcome to the program. I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. This is TNT, today's news talk. We are live and direct for the next two hours here on the program. I hope you guys had a great Christmas break. Uh, We managed to have a little bit of time off with this program to sort of get ourselves reset, get our gears back in order, and we're going to hit the ground running this week. And a little foreshadowing next week is going to be uh, a very, very interesting week uh, on the program as well with a number of guests that we're going to bring on to the stage to cover a lot of important stories and some heavyweights as well. Looking forward to that. Now, uh, let's get started today, and I hope you had a great Christmas again, a Boxing Day. You're just getting recovered now, getting ready for the weekend, uh, for New Year's Eve, and whatever you've got planned. Uh, So this is the time of year when a lot of heavy stuff drops, okay? Usually drops over this period, just the period between Christmas and new years and a lot of things that happen are game changing during this period and it's a very small period you're talking about sort of five six days this stretch this is when all the important stuff that's going to set the tone uh, for the next 12 months happens so we're going to report on some of those things that have dropped over the christmas break and what might be dropping imminently uh, as well so the the big story of course let's go to the united states the big story is that the election situation is heating up uh, in a big way. There's been attempts to keep Donald Trump off the ballot. You've probably heard we reported on the Colorado situation, uh, which happened before Christmas. They dropped that one, mailed that in at the last minute, hoping uh, that it's going to be disruptive. I think there's an understanding that that ruling was going to be stayed anyway. And so if the high court uh is it would would say what is already known which is that uh no state official can keep uh a, a federal uh candidate off a federal ballot basically it's just not going to be possible but it did open the possibility that other states would try the same lawfare tactic and of course they did in michigan key swing state not that uh, any republican let alone donald trump could win colorado but what's important is the primaries Uh, That's what's important on the Republican side, because that's a real competition. Michigan, the high court ruled uh, that they cannot keep Trump off the ballot uh, in the 2024 election. So uh, yet another precedent. I think that's going to throw a damper on the other states that they're trying to do this in. So this is a coordinated lawfare campaign, obviously, uh, designed. This is election interference, quite clearly. Uh, and it's failed uh, in Michigan. So that's interesting. And I think we're going to see uh, some interesting rulings as well on other cases. Now, we'll talk about that with our legal correspondent, Matthew Lee, tomorrow when we get an update on all of these situations. Certainly on the impeachment front, uh, it's looking very interesting. Uh, definitely on that score, there is evidence there are Witnesses uh, that are around and uh, they're game changing witnesses, i.e. they have the receipts on Biden corruption in Ukraine for starters. So I just want to throw that out there because that's also an important feature that a lot of people are missing. This is not necessarily going to hurt Biden in the primary phase, which they're, they're not really having proper primaries on the Democratic side. They're just going through this kind of formality to rubber stamp uh, Joe Biden 
uh, going into the DNC convention this summer. But what's interesting is that a lot of people are already speculating that they're going to pull a switcheroo at the DNC convention this summer. So Biden will go through the motions, won't need to actually campaign at all or do do much at all, really, uh, in the next six months. And then they'll do some kind of a vote on the floor and they'll table a new candidate. Uh, which will appear out of nowhere, maybe even before that, could be somebody that moves into the vice presidential spot if Joe gets a sick note after the primaries, Kamala Harris caretaker president for a period of time through the remainder of this term, and then you have basically a new uh, nominee uh, coming out of maybe the vice presidential office there, Gavin Newsom being one of these potential candidates on the Democratic side. So anyway, that's what's going on there. So, But there's also a lot of other interesting developments uh, as well. So we'll be dropping some of that over the course of the program. And I also want to point to um, an interesting story that kind of pretty much says it all. Um, the, the All is not well in terms of solidarity. Um, on the Democratic ticket side. Why is this important? Because they're normally very tight. Democrats are normally incredibly tight. So they have a dissenting voice, it seems anyway, uh, slight loose cannon, and uh, not surprised, John Fetterman, Pennsylvania senator. Quite amazing that he's actually in office after a double stroke, but there you are. And uh, so he ripped on James Carville, and Carville is uh, formerly Bill Clinton's brain, uh, the, the sort of forerunner to David Axelrod, uh, the role he played with Barack Obama. So Car- he's basically telling uh, that Biden's basically toast. That's what John Fetterman has said. Okay, so now they're coming up uh, a little bit of a fight going on here, and it's goes broken in Politico. It's interesting. So you have this infighting between sort of Democrat Party backroom elite James Carville. Uh, upstart Senator John Fetterman here over Biden's prospects. And they're getting, (laughs) they're getting, they're they're going to get a little bit testy. Uh, So this is going to be a problem. So anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that in the second hour as well. We'll also be joined by Basil Valentine in the first hour to get some international news updates on the Ukraine front. It's getting very interesting. Politico reported that secret negotiations have begun between the United States and, um, oh, sorry, did I say United States? I meant uh, Kiev, Kiev and Russia. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Kiev and Russia's peace negotiations being basically micromanaged by Washington. So what is this all about? Well, the they don't want to do anything overtly uh, because this might hurt uh, the general election. So I don't know how long they're going to drag this on for. Uh, in the background, so it's sort of backroom negotiations during the next year. It's kind of a dog whistle story by Politico, and they're saying that uh, they're keeping it uh, under wraps because they don't want this to hurt the Democrats' prospects in the 2024 election. So they don't want to look like they've lost. They're not conceding. They're not saying that uh, Ukraine's lost. They're just saying, oh, they're looking for a change of direction. It's all happening behind the scenes. So this is what's going on. Is this going to work? Uh, nobody knows for sure. Nobody really knows. That's the question. So what what is what is pe- pretty apparent is the facts on the ground have changed uh, radically with regards to Ukraine. The facts on the ground have changed radically. The situation is no longer tenable. Uh, the Ukrainians are at their wit's end. They're doing a mass mobilization. They want 500,000 more men. They're going to drag them off the streets. 
There will be no men left in Ukraine at this rate. The country will cease to function. It'll become an Amazonia uh, utopia state run and populated by women only, and it'll be a rump state at that. So this isn't; these aren't good prospects for Ukraine. Their prospects ended uh, when they decided to follow Washington's lead and wage a losing proxy war against Russia. Look at the results. They're getting worse by the day. Uh, there's explosions in Odessa. That's no longer a safe sort of enclave for Kiev uh, down on the south coast near the uh, Crimean Peninsula. That could fall if, if that happened over the next year. Then, you know, that's the end of the coastline for Ukraine. And you actually have a an actual rump state uh, in Eastern Europe. So you can go into the EU if you want, but it's pretty much over in terms of your economy and any sort of leverage that you got geopolitically in the region. So it's a disaster on every front. Looks like Washington's exploring damage control uh, options here, but invariably this is going to mean regime change in Kiev. Now, either way you cut it, is that going to be voluntarily? Is it going to be by coup? Is Zelensky going to hunker down? Or is he going to leave uh, on a midnight flight to Switzerland? That's the big question everybody's trying to work out at the moment. So meanwhile, in Russia, BRICS is going full steam ahead. There's a number of African countries that are coming online now. That's going to get very interesting in the coming weeks and months. So as the BRICS begins to take shape in the new year, and as countries like China and Russia move into the ascendancy in terms of real assets and real economy, the West is grappling with huge amounts of debt, over-leveraging, and a financialized system that's propping up a U.S. dollar that, uh, at home anyway, you're starting to see the inflationary uh, cycles are not slowing down in the United States. This is not good news. Generally, it means that there's going to be a reset, an economic reset. Only what form is that going to take? We'll talk about that in the second hour and more when we talk about Christian. Christian James, our research assistant, is going to do the year in review. Meanwhile, let's take a break right now. We're going to hit the Middle East on the other side with Basil Valentine. I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. This is TNT Today's News Talk. Rick Munn on TNT Radio. There was a, a statement that I saw last week that I thought was quite interesting from one of these uh, web spokespeople, the World Economic Forum spokesperson. And one thing that she said that I thought was quite interesting was she said, you know, um, there has been a little bit of a tail off with people buying into the vaccine narrative. And she blamed that on people like us spreading so-called missing disinformation. She said that climate change was a little bit too much of an abstract concept for people people to really grab and get their heads around. So that's not really taking off the way they want to either. And then she said something very interesting. She said, you know what? When the water crisis comes, people will understand that because it's simple and everybody needs water. And if you don't have water for a few days at a time, you'll know all about it. So maybe, you know, we're hypothesizing a little bit about what's what it's going to take to grab people and bring them back on board again with a World Economic Forum type narrative. Could this be what it is? Locked in with Rick Munn on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. We honor you, Father, for all that you've done for us. Chief Division Counsel and DOJ have approved a no-knock breach. We want the subject to be on display. Doing the walk of shame, full visual impact. Any questions? 
Are we becoming a police state? Government told American citizens they couldn't go to church on Sunday. For the first time in my life, I'm saying to myself, am I going to get a knock at the door? FBI warrant, come to the door now! The Patriot Act and FISA were used against Donald Trump. These individuals have commissioned the biggest propaganda play in U.S. history. They don't go after the people that rigged the election. They go after the people that want to find out what the hell happened. We don't need to have a crime. What we need is a person to look at. And then we go find out what crime you did. FBI! Our focus is shifting. Our main priority as a bureau is going to be domestic terrorism. It really paints anybody who's right of center. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. These are anti-government. We have freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want. Top of the hour, we'll keep on top of the news. It's the most important thing we can do. On today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Welcome back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to TNT Today's News Talk. I'm Patrick Henningsen. Welcome back. Welcome back. Now, internationally, uh, nothing has been uh, stayed over the Christmas break. Uh, it's been happening. It's been intense. We've been trying to at least keep an eye on it. Uh, and we've been posting uh, what we've been seeing and hearing on our feed on X Twitter. If you go to at 21 wire, you'll see our, our activity there. Now on the, on this subject of the Middle East, of course, we'll talk about that too. Uh, I want to welcome onto the line right now, our trusted cohort, Basil Valentine, our political mind uh, on side here. Hello, Basil. How are you doing? How's your break, Ben? Very well, thank you, Patrick. Yes, I enjoyed my Christmas, and uh, I hope our listeners did all over the world as well. So just uh, I want to talk to you about kind of a year in review, just kind of get your opinion on uh, you know, your thoughts, reflections on 2023. I've certainly got my share, uh, so I want to hear your uh, re- you know, ideas about that as well. Um, but uh, just first and foremost, let's, let's get a general breaking updates right now, uh, things that we need to know over the break that happened uh, in the Middle East that you think are important. Uh, let's draw uh, our attention to right now. What are what do you what what are the latest breaking developments? Well, over the Christmas period, the Israelis intensified their bombardment of central and southern Gaza with uh, several fresh massacres uh, as a Christmas gift to the Palestinians. Hundreds of people were killed and uh, thousands more injured. Uh, I saw one statistic that. 65,000 Palestinians have now either been killed or lost a limb. Mm. Okay, or 60, either dead or mutilated. 65,000. So the, the, that, that, that's total, total casualties. So there's a... Well, the, uh, yeah, I mean, major yeah. casualties, if you like. There are thousands of other casualties who haven't actually right. lost a limb. You major, know, casualties, uh, major casualties, major yeah, casualties, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's dead or major casualties, 65,000. A really breathtaking, for all the wrong reasons, number. Um, but uh, just this week, the IDF chief of staff, Herzl Halevi, has said the war could go on for months 
ditto Netanyahu. Uh, now, what we are seeing increasingly, and we've sort of seen this coming on TNT for several weeks now, is um, the departure of the increasingly openly genocidal Israeli regime from the rest of the world world opinion, even the United States, which, of course, has used its veto to prevent any meaningful ceasefire resolution getting through the Security Council. Up until now, the United States has obviously not only provided diplomatic cover, but also huge amounts of military and financial assistance, thousands and thousands of tons of military equipment to continue this slaughter arrives in Israel every week. But I digress. Um, Netanyahu has been quite open, and again, this is something we highlighted on this program last week and the week before, about his desire to relocate Palestinians uh, to other parts of the world. He was initially pressuring European leaders to accept them. Now he's been talking within Likud, and you have to look at Israel's, Israel's own news sources to find this information. You won't find it in Western sources. He's been pressuring African and South American countries to accept Palestinians as refugees, except they won't be there on a permanent basis. Of course, I can't imagine uh, if they manage to steal more land, the Israelis ever wanting any of these Palestinians to return. So Israel's grand scheme is to export, simply to export Palestinians to any country in the world. They don't care where, really, anywhere that'll take them. And indeed, when countries push back, as the Egyptians have done, against accepting Palestinian refugees, because, of course, it is ethnic cleansing, a war crime, Israelis turn around and say, ah, you see, you don't want them either. These people are terrorists. They're such awful people that you don't want them either. Look, why should we have to have them if you don't want them? You know, mm. further dehumanization, of course. But the U.S. doesn't see it in quite that way. The U.S. is still talking in platitudes about two-state solutions and talking about the Palestinian Authority running Gaza after the war. But uh, only this week, Netanyahu has refused uh, requests from Shin Bet, Mossad and other internal Israeli ministries and organizations to discuss what happens after the war at all. He's refusing to talk about it, partly because it might mean he personally has to go to jail, but also because it would highlight these crucial differences between his plan for ethnic cleansing and uh, the Americans, who apparently want the Palestinian Authority to run Gaza. Netanyahu says the Palestinian Authority also support terrorism. And that's actually really mendacious and unkind, because the Palestinian Authority, led by the octogenarian Mahmoud Abbas in Ramallah, uh, really has been Israel's puppy dog for the last 25 years. Um, you know, they're sort of still vaguely clinging to the fig leaf of the Oslo Accords and, you know, all that kind of uh, ancient history. So, uh, you know, the fact that Netanyahu doesn't even want the Palestinian Authority in there uh, tells you a lot. Of course, what the what Netanyahu wants and what, the, uh, what most Israelis are openly saying is that they want to completely rid 
Gaza of all Palestinians and incorporate it into a new greater state of Israel. In fact, there have even been people on Israeli television shouting about how they're going to take over Lebanon as well, you know, and uh, the greater is, and of course, the West Bank and the greater Israel project must go ahead. So uh, very interesting because Ron Derma, who is the Israeli Minister of Strategic Affairs, he met Jake Sullivan in Washington this week and was yesterday supposed to have had talks with Tony Blinken. But there's been no press conference and no joint statements. There's been no press release of any kind as a result of Sturmer's visit to Washington, which is obviously the most recent contact between Tel Aviv and Washington. And that would seem to indicate that... Uh, for a change, they're not in agreement about what to do next. The Israelis have basically created this unbelievable humanitarian catastrophe in Gaza, uh, with uh, the United Nations Relief Agency now saying 40% of, of Gaza's population, that's 800,000 souls, are now at risk of famine because there is simply not enough food. Uh, so we have, a, you know, the worst humanitarian situation for decades, aided and abetted by the United States. And finally, members of the administration are starting to feel a bit uncomfortable about this. They're getting pushback from their own domestic constituencies uh, and, of course, from the global south. The administration has apparently uh, wildly underestimated the strength of feeling in the global south about what's been going on so um you know for all the mealy-mouthed urging of uh israel to do more to protect innocent civilians which we get at regular intervals from uh, u.s administration officials you know supposedly urging to israel to do more to protect civilians uh, the israelis themselves are saying that there are no innocent civilians in Gaza. This is one of the key things. Well worth watching a video put together by Max Blumenthal of the Grey Zone, which uh, where he's cut together um, statements made by a variety of Israeli commentators, ministers, ex-ministers, and so on, openly calling for the complete genocide of the pa Palestinian population. So, you know, as we know, the United States invariably rose in with Israel, goes along with whatever it does. But now that things are, you know, matters are really coming to a head and it is time to start talking about what happens next, we're now finding it's all gone a little bit quiet on the diplomatic front. Likewise, it's gone quiet from von der Leyen and Sunak and these other ghouls that couldn't wait to get to Tel Aviv to embrace Bibi at the start of this massacre. And uh, would they do so now? Isaac Herzog, the president of Israel, was photographed writing his name on uh, a missile one of the next salvo to be delivered to Palestinian children. Why not have Sunak and von der Leyen also writing their names? They support everything Israel does, don't they? Why don't you sign one, Rishi? Why don't you sign one, Ursula? Why don't you sign one, Tony Blinken? You know? Or, I think that's a great idea. 
Yeah, or have you rode back from that? Do you no longer, you know, if there's ever enough people, it's 65,000 dead and amputated. Is that enough? You know, because they've gone eerily quiet, you know, mm. really very cowardly so. I think that should be a requirement. I think that should be a requirement for any Western politician, either head of state, cabinet member, whatever, who, whoever's directly involved in either signing off or green lighting uh, any military assistance to Israel as it carries out a genocide against the native Palestinian population in Gaza, for instance. Any Western politician, be they from the U.S., U.K., from Germany, from the EU, you should be required to sign the bombs, or at least some of the That's bombs, right. at least that that you're the J dams and whatever the Moabs that you're sending to Israel. You should sign your name and date it. Should be photographed because if you feel so strongly that you should be giving your weapons to a country that's using their military to indiscriminately target and kill civilians, you should sign for that. You that's should sign right. up. You should endorse those bombs. If you, you know, right. get behind it, get behind it 100% instead of just sort of like, you know, oh, you're just kind of shipping that out the back door and saying we support Israel's right to defend itself and couching that's it right. in all these tropes because what they're doing right now is they're actively involved as co-belligerents in war crimes. So I think that's a great idea, Basil, not just Herzog. I think uh, all of the Western leaders need to get there. Trudeau, Sunak, Biden, Etol, and their cabinets sign those bombs with a permanent uh, 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 Sharpie, a permanent Sharpie black marker. And then we can get the, the wreckage and you know people can see when it lands and uh, keep exactly. that. You know, photograph that's right. that. This, that's yeah. right. This way. Here's a, here's one signed by Ursula von der Leyen that blew a child's mm. leg off in Jabela camp. Do you know yep. what I mean? Yeah, I think so. I think so. You know, it's like back it, you know, get behind it, you know, okay, endorse it. So, but they're not, they're not doing that. They're pretending like all this isn't happening at uh, those casualties that you just quoted in the beginning of the segment, Basil, that that's all just, you know, disinformation. It must be Hamas. Hamas disinformation. Well, but, I've been, when, I've been when, told when, that. I said, don't try. They said, don't trust any of the claims coming out yeah. of the Gaza Ministry of Health because it's Hamas propaganda, unreliable numbers. No, they're not. Those have been corroborated by multiple international aid organizations at multiple NGOs and people who actually audit these types of numbers, not just in this conflict, but in 20, 2014 and 2008 as well, 2012. The same organizations quoted the same figures. They weren't contested then. Why would you contest them now? No, I mean, in fact, the numbers are likely to be much higher because there are, of course, still an untold number of people, but certainly running into thousands buried under rubble. I mean, the pictures that have been coming out recently of northern Gaza in particular um, you know, the equivalent of more than two atomic bombs in uh, detonation capacity have been dropped on Gaza in the last 11 weeks. Now, you saw what uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki looked like after the atomic bombs. We've all seen those pictures. Barely a building standing. The pictures of northern Gaza, although the weapon used wasn't atomic, are eerily similar. Total destruction there's 
hardly a building left stand or just a, a deathly grey sea of rubble. And amidst this sea, of course, uh, as uh, Max Blumenthal highlighted in his, his terrific uh, film clip, Israeli soldiers are seen dancing and cheering their victory, uh, urinating on the bodies of uh, dead Palestinians, conducting uh, random executions, rounding up Palestinian men and it now seems children as well from the photographs, stripping them to their underpants and uh, kidnapping them essentially and turning them into political prisoners where they are then tortured, um, harvesting organs from the bodies of dead Palestinians. At least 80 corpses were returned missing vital organs, but uh, stealing organs from dead Palestinians has been a stock in trade of the Israelis for over 25 years. There's nothing new about that. They've been stealing organs from dead Palestinians for a long, long time. Uh, in northern Gaza, even CNN, who uh, finally uh, had the courage to send somebody in. They spoke to two senior medical staff, another doctor and a patient at uh, the hospital in northern Gaza, Kamal Adwan Hospital, where uh, they painted a disturbing picture of how the IDF carried out an operation uh, using bulldozers to dig up bodies that had recently been married in makeshift graveyards uh, in order to then crush them with the bulldozers and leave these uh, crushed and dismembered bodies scattered, decomposing around the hospital grounds. So, you know, it really is a case of atrocity after atrocity now, uh, openly celebrated uh, within Israel itself, the latest fashion is uh, TikTok videos mocking Palestinians for the loss of their children, the fact that they are living in abject poverty and squalor, doing everything they can to humiliate them. Um, so this has started now, you know, a, a lot of the sort of pro-Israel, the sort of, your sort of general... Uh, well, Israel has a right to exist, time commentator, defend itself, blah, blah, blah. They've started to go noticeably quiet. The only uh, sort of, and it, to me it isn't a defense at all, but the only line that they've got is that, you know, Hamas, Hamas, Hamas has to be completely destroyed. Um, Netanyahu in his tweets have started describing it as Hamas hyphen ISIS, you know, as if Hamas and ISIS are the same organization or something. I mean, just deliberately mendacious. In fact, Israel was providing uh, medical assistance to ISIS fighters, wasn't it, you know? Uh, on yeah. the border with Syria not uh, long ago. Uh, yeah, al-Nusra specifically, uh, al-Nusra fighters, um, arguably, you could say, uh, there have been people insinuating that those were some ISIS fighters as well. They also exfiltrated the white helmets. Many of them had uh, dual uh, membership to some of the, these armed uh, terrorist groups as well in Syria. Syria uh, Israel facilitated massive exfiltration of white helmets into Israel. So not only that, providing cover... Uh, on this uh, southern front there with Syria uh, for these terrorist activities.
they've been aiding and abetting them the whole time, basically. So well, I mean, because, through because, airstrikes because Israel, well. hates, Israel hates Assad more than anyone else. You know. Sure. Well, so, yeah. uh, it's, it's not just that. that. It's, that yeah. Go on. It's not just that, Basil. It's it's about destabilizing Syria so that it can't assist the Palestinians in times like this. They're so hamstrung right now. Syria is on the cusp of becoming destabilized at any moment because of Idlib, because of the Southern Front, because of the Americans uh, with the Kurds occupying northeastern Syria. So they got them basically, uh, you know, by the uh, shortened areas. So that's the that's always been Israel's uh, objective with the uh, destabilization of Syria. So that's part, that's the real agenda behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, there was also that story a few years ago that in fact it was, um, uh, the, the, what, a, a, an ISIS chief was in fact a Mossad agent. Could, do you know anything about that, Patrick? Yeah, I did see that. And that's actually true. Uh, he was outed. Uh, he was definitely a Mossad operative. Uh, he'd been going under a pseudoname, pretending to be Muslim. Uh, was in fact uh, Jewish Israeli. So I mean, that was a that was a big telling story, um, because then it it begs the question: What about the others? What about these other ISIS commanders? I mean, what is the qualification for being an ISIS? commander you don't need to be from any particular tribe or area normally in the middle east basil these sort of the the the, the competency of higher the competency of hierarchy uh or the hierarchy of competency it's usually uh synonymous with um some sort of either uh legacy pedigree either family tribal in in, in anchored in a regional area you didn't have that with isis it's a free-for-all and it just popped out of nowhere effectively yeah it has roots in iraq and uh from the you know out out al-baghdadi etc out of the u.s camps arguably we don't know the full story of uh bakr al-baghdadi um and but you do have these outings of these israeli operatives like the one you're talking about leading the brigades in libya for instance like it's just so suspect it's unbelievable and they never attacked israel did you notice that with isis they never attacked israel and when pressed on this, you'd hear these sort of vague statements here like, well, uh, first we want to uh, uh, fight Assad, the Antichrist. And then after we establish a caliphate, then we're going to move on and uh, we might uh, then confront, uh, you know, the other adversaries in the region. They never touched Israel, never touched them. In fact, they went out of their way not to, not to touch Israel. That pretty much says it all. Well, we're digressing a, a little, Patrick, but um, the you know the public opinion in the West. I've been interested to know what people are saying in the chat room about this. Has irrevocably shifted towards a far more sympathetic stance towards the Palestinian people than was ever the case before, uh, and I'm also noticing on Twitter. Um, Within the United States, people are starting to look at the power and influence of the Zionist lobby uh, in a way that they never have done before. We touched upon this uh, before Christmas, uh, the protests in New York, uh, marching to the APAC headquarters. But this has suddenly become uh a central issue really in the direction of u.s politics people are asking you know why 
why does Israel have such special, you know, powers, really, to influence American elections and decide what our foreign policy is and where our money goes? And why, why is the whole of Congress completely in lockstep with whatever genocidal um, policies, actions and intent Israel comes up with? What, what What's going on here? People are finally asking, am I wrong, Patrick, you're stateside? <laughs> well, I don't know. Are you? Are I, it, it depends who you talk to. But anyway, the all the sort of pieces are lining up for a major clash. There's going to be a major clash, and there's also going to be internal turmoil uh, in all of these factions. That's just like what we're seeing here. 2024 is going to be rough. It's going to be rough for a lot of people, and I, I'm just. I'm just worried about how the how the mainstream media is going to be gaslighting the public on this. Um, it's going to be very interesting. I don't know. Let's uh, your your final comments on this, and then we're going to go to break in a minute. But go ahead. Well, uh, you know, we keep using terms like unprecedented and uh, all the rest of it. Um, it. It's just so tragic. Really, we must not forget the appalling suffering of uh you know the 1.8 million displaced individuals so many orphans have been created thousands of orphans have been created so much misery has been you know rained upon people who uh, you know really the vast overwhelming majority of whom simply want to live normal lives in peace and uh we can only hope that the worst, uh, that you know, the worst doesn't come to pass. But it's going to be a big test for Western leaders because, uh, as I say, the Israelis want complete ethnic cleansing, and if they can, to steal the whole land. And are the likes of uh, Sunak, von der Leyen, Olaf Scholz, Blinken, and all the rest of it going to say, actually, no, we're not going to go along with ethnic cleansing. We've gone along with genocide so far, but, you know, we are actually going to call a halt at some point soon or not. Or are they going to say, oh, well, yes, perhaps if all the Palestinians relocated to uh, Bolivia and the Congo, uh, you know, it would uh, it would be better for everyone. So that's, that's going to be very, very interesting because it's a case of... Uh, you know, an irres irresistible force meets a movable object, or is it? You know, but you know, world as I said, world public opinion is on a completely different page from where Israeli leaders are. Israeli society is, because you've only got to look at uh, you know what's being said in Israeli newspapers and media to discover that unfortunately it is not simply. Netanyahu and his ragtag bag of fascist cabinet ministers that think the way they do, they do represent, they do represent Israeli public opinion far more accurately than Western leaders, you know, European and American leaders represent their public opinion. No, absolutely. Well, we'll talk about that. I want to get your uh, year in review as well. Uh, looking back at the top stories of 2023, I'm with Basil Valentine, our political correspondent du jour here on TNT. We're going to go to break right now. I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. Stay with us, though. We'll be right back. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. If by some unimaginable impossibility you're still trying to determine 
Whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, ask yourself the following questions. Did you favor the Baphomet statue being erected at the Iowa State Capitol? Did you enjoy the school board swearing in on a stack of child pornography books? Do you find nothing objectionable about a homosexual sex tape being recorded in a Senate hearing room and posted online? And finally, did you just love the transgender nutcracker down a hallway hideously decorated by Dr. Jill Biden for Christmas at the White House? If the answer to one or more of these questions is yes, you might be a Democrat. In fact, you're definitely a Democrat. As for the rest of us, if you doubted that, in the words of Sarah Huckabee Sanders, this next election is the choice between normal and crazy, wonder no more. Last week said it all. From aginstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Hi, I'm Susan Lucci. I never thought about heart disease until I had my own heart event. I had a, a 90% blockage in my main artery and a 75% blockage in the adjacent artery. I received two stents in my arteries, stents developed through research funded by the American Heart Association. Those stents saved my life. Learn more about the American Heart Association's life-saving work at helpheart.org. Speaking on the issues that impact, this is The Patrick Henningsen Show on TNT Radio. All right, welcome back, welcome back. Uh, on the line right now, we have Basil Valentine, our trusted political cohort. Basil, 2023, year in review. Everybody's doing these segments right now. Everyone's looking back at what's happened over the year and saying, well, these are the significant stories. These are the things that were moving the dial uh, internationally, domestically. Uh, how about yourself? Uh, what do you think? What's wh What are the top stories of 2023 uh, if you're going to write your uh, epitaph. Well, uh, I, I want to be optimistic, Patrick. Um, uh, it's the year which has seen public opinion galvanized and motivated in ways that we've never seen before, uh, obviously over the Palestine issue, but also public opinion has shifted very much around the COVID narrative, for example. We've seen the complete and utter collapse in demand for the injections. Nobody wants them. Nobody's really making any great effort to push them anymore. That's come at tremendous cost, of course, but uh, that has all changed. Uh, as I said, we've seen hundreds of thousands, millions of people worldwide taking to the streets to protest against war crimes and genocide. And uh, in the UK, we've seen people power reemerge in the shape of, not that I'm condoning it, of course, uh, the Blade Runners cutting down the ULES cameras and generally people standing up for themselves, uh, shall we say. So uh, I think uh, we can be optimistic about next year. We're also starting to see, uh, you know, hidden things coming to the surface. For example, another uh, Ukrainian diplomat has been uh, filmed this week saying that the peace deal between Russia and Ukraine was on the table and almost finalized uh, 
back in April of 2022 before, of course, Boris Johnson on behalf of the Americans sabotaged it. Now, that, I mean, that was that was obviously very bad news and uh, hundreds of thousands of people have died and uh, suffered terrible hardships as a result of that, only for apparently now, it seems, um, the Biden administration's official position being that Ukraine will have to cede some territory. I don't know if you've seen that, Patrick. No, I haven't. But uh, that's just the the penny dropping. That's just reality. Um, yeah. And I have I have seen noises to that effect uh, this week in the media. So yeah. the, the idea is being floated, basically. And it's just yeah, preparing yeah. people, preparing people for what's to come, which is like a, a big red pill. Uh, for Washington um, and for the media and for the American public who've been told that uh, for for two years, nearly two years now, that, uh, you know, we just need to send a few more weapons and Kiev's on the cusp of defeating the Russians. The Russians are uh, fighting with broomsticks. They've run out of ammo and so forth. Ridiculous. But yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. People have been pointing out, of course, the double standards as well. For example, um, it was a very good letter in the Irish Independent today uh, saying, you know, Varadkar, of course, that dreadful Taoiseach. Um, Ireland, a very interesting sort of bellwether country at the moment because of uh, its traditional status as a neutral country. And they're trying to strong arm it into NATO now and remove that uh neutrality uh, and of course it's being the recipient of very large numbers of refugees even though of course ireland never had any overseas territories of its own there's no sort of karmic or historic debts that the irish people owe there's no shortage of labor in ireland do you know what i mean uh, so you know people are, are getting rather hot under the collar about that their hate speech laws and everything but uh, this particular letter was highlighting the fact, of course, that Varadkar, as we will doubtless hear from other Western politicians, was saying, ah, but if you isolate Israel on the international stage and ban it from the Eurovision Song Contest and from FIFA and the Olympics and everything, all that's going to do is, uh, ice, you know, is uh, weaken the voices of those calling for peace within Israel. You see, that's the, you know, when when Western leaders want to uh, be fully double standard, but double standardized, that's what they say. Uh, but of course, they had no hesitation whatsoever in isolating Russia for its invasion, uh, from isolating Russia from the international community, kicking it out of the Olympic Games uh, and everything else. And nor did anybody have any hesitation isolating South Africa. And the boycott and sanctions of South Africa played a crucial role in bringing about the end of apartheid. So if you want a prediction for 2024, it's that whatever the uh, popinjays and cowards and assorted lackeys that APAC and its related organizations have bought in Western capitals, people are going to boycott Israel. People are going to want to have nothing to do with it. I don't think the Israelis themselves have yet fully grasped the extent to which their country has become a total pariah in the eyes and hearts and minds of all sorts of ordinary people all over the world. And that simply 
calling them names and flinging the usual insults simply won't wash anymore. So Western leaders are going to come under a lot of pressure to follow suit because I think you'll find more and more sort of individuals refusing to cooperate if there are Israeli competitors taking part in international games or song competitions or anything else for that matter. What tends to happen is uh, instead of uh, the come to Jesus moment, um, Basil, you have the doubling down effect. And that is like another front is opened up to take public attention away from the debacle. And we have two debacles now. We have Ukraine and we have Gaza for Washington. So to take the focus away and to perhaps stage some kind of a provocation with China between China and Taiwan, that would sort of, you know, it would suck all of the yes. oxygen what do you think about well, that about, well unfortunately of course that's a possibility you know um in general we we have to say that the world is a more unstable and dangerous place uh probably than at any time in our lifetimes patrick mm. um you know uh obviously the middle east eastern europe the forest, you know, generally militarism is at an all-time high. Military spending is at an all-time high. Profits for uh, defense contractors are at an all-time high, you know. Uh, and yet, 25 years ago, we were moving towards a more demilitarized world, towards a saner, more peaceful world based on cooperation where we could all prosper. You know, unfortunately, events took a very, very bad turn for the worse on September the 11th, 2001. And things have been going downhill ever since. I just want to highlight a couple of other stories with reference to the West Bank, uh, which is getting ignored. There were huge Israeli raids uh, across the West Bank, six different cities, apparently. Uh, and they included uh, Israeli soldiers looting Palestinian bureau de change. Money exchange facilities were looted to the tune of about $3 million. I don't know if you saw that. No, I didn't. Uh, not oh, is that, that, it, when did it, this break? It broke this afternoon, This you know, from events this morning in... Uh, in the West Bank, and, and there are pictures of uh, Israeli soldiers brazenly blowing open safes and stealing money in the West Bank, where there is no Hamas. Of course, under the pretext, what they're claiming is that this money was ultimately destined for Hamas or some story, you know, but it's just out-and-out -out brazen looting and theft uh, in uh, the Armenian quarter of Jerusalem, the patriarchy there, the archbishop has had to issue an urgent warning because uh, violent settler gangs are occupying parts of the city, you know, using the cover of war to uh, march into people's homes and take them over, uh, you know, all armed with automatic rifles supplied by the United States. So, you know, the situation on the ground in Gaza is absolutely desperate hundreds of thousands of people starving to death, the risk of disease. Uh, you know, settlers are stealing everything they can, land, cash, you know, you name it, uh, across the West Bank. Uh, and notably, the 
usual chorus of support in Western capitals has just gone quiet for a bit because, you know, the full horror really is now on show. Mm, mm. Well, I'm looking for the distraction. Uh, This is the only way out, really, of this uh, policy, which I think is one of the biggest miscalculations in the history of the United States. I I don't think there's ever been an administration that has been so tone deaf, so unable to read the room. But there's more than that, Basil. I think this administration is extremely compromised as well. And if you look at what the Biden administration is facing right now, Uh, In terms of the impeachment investigation, there's going to be hearings in the new year. That looks like it's going to happen. That's going to be a big, big issue during the election uh, cycle. It's only going to build. There's just tons of evidence as well. Uh, We've just tweeted out something I think is going to be a big part of that as well is the overseas business dealings in Ukraine. There's tons of receipts for this that have been out for a while, but they've been buried, and the Western media, U.S. media as well, they've been trying to bury it. The DOJ's been uh, putting sanctions on Ukrainian whistleblowers who all put out this information years ago of Biden corruption in Ukraine, and so the U.S. Uh, deep state's reaction is just basically sanction everybody that's put out any evidence or is investigating or questioning uh, Biden family syndicate corruption in Ukraine. It's not it's not just there. It's also we have uh, with China, there's uh, all sorts of overseas ventures there. It's basically pay to play. But uh, I've, I've just... Uh, there's there's some updates on this i've just tweeted it up at 21 wire so uh, i'll drop this in the tnt chat room um over the break as well but it's like becoming impossible to ignore right now and all of this is going to be aired uh, i think during the impeachment investigations it's going to be devastating for the democrats and for biden especially but the main part basil is it's tied directly to the u.s support for this proxy war uh, against Russia and Ukraine, it's been a it's been a nightmare and a disaster, and it's it's effectively destroyed Ukraine as a country, and it's all connected. So that that that's that's just a story, unfortunately, that's going to break. Uh, for certain people are not going to like this, um, namely uh, the the Democrats and the Biden administration. It's it's devastating quite frankly. So anyway, we've published reports on this, multiple reports. In fact, we start, we've been covering this from like uh, 2019. But Basil Valentine, thank you very much for joining us on TNT. Today's News Talk, much appreciated. I just want to wish all our listeners a happy new year, and I hope that peace and prosperity becomes fashionable again and makes a comeback in 2024 ending it on a positive note in the way that only Basil Valentine can do. Thank you so much, Basil, for your contributions this week. I'll talk to you very soon. Take care. Top of the hour news headlines coming up, and we have more on the other side. So buckle up. We'll see you in a few.